Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck, a two-time and nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon, a nonprofit whose mission it is to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. When I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink, which isn't really a lot of time, but I do the best that I can because life is busy. But for my day job, I get to interview wonderful people like my guest today, Mike Murphy. He is a successful author, coach, consultant, speaker, and his mission in life at this point is to really help people manifest their deepest dreams and desires. And he has also, the reason I'm really having him here today, in addition to all that wonderful stuff, he has written an amazing book called Living in Color, A Love Story in Sickness and in Health which covers his journey with his second wife and her battle and unfortunate loss to breast cancer. But I tell you, listeners, this book is amazing and worth the read, and it gives you all the feelings. I laughed. I cried a lot. I smiled. But I really I saw the joy that Mike was able to really bring out with this book, and I'm just so thrilled to have him here today. So welcome, Mike. Before we get into all the cancer stuff, please kind of give us a little, little bit of personal info on yourself. Okay. Yeah, great. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm 64 years old. Most of my career, I've been an automobile dealer in the San Francisco Bay Area. I have four great kids, seven great grandchildren. Uh, I have a beautiful new wife for four years now. And so I really have a beautiful life and we can talk about that later. Um, but, um, you know, as you said, my passion now is to help others to realize their dreams and also, you know, through the Love for Margot Foundation, try to assist women struggling with this terrible disease. And so that's pretty much my life today. That's really special to me because being a breast cancer survivor and having gone through it, I know how hard it is. And you talk about it so much in this book. And um, I know from from reading the book, you you guys were together about 10 years-ish. And unfortunately, I know there was cancer throughout most of it. And you were her support system, caregiver, accountant. I mean, literally, you you were everything. And you're able to come through and talk about it with so much grace. And it really, um, it was a wonderful, wonderful, com- very short compression of your lives together. So tell us a little bit about Margot and your, um, your love for her, pre- other than cancer, because, you know, I know that was a big part of it. <laughs> Yeah. So, and let me just preface first, you know, the book really, you know, when, when we sat down to write the book, you know, we had this 10 years, but we had enormous amount of data in, in, in life, right? We lived in a ama- we lived a whole lifetime in 10 years. And uh, so we decided to focus on the six last six months of her life. When, when the doctor told her, unfortunately, Margo, the cancer spreads to the lining of your brain. If you do nothing, you have six weeks to live. And if you treat it, you have six months to live. And with flashbacks into our love story and how we met. So, so the reason I wanted to write the book is because I, I, I was given this great blessing of watching this incredible, amazing woman 
every day go through these horrendous procedures to try because she no one loved life more than her i promise you this and she would fight like crazy to live another day which i am forever grateful for but every evening prepare to take that last breath and and the dichotomy of that it was so mind-blowing and um, i just wanted to tell the story because it impacted me so greatly and gave me so much strength and and, and took away all fear of death so um you know when we first met i was a general manager part owner of a chevrolet dealership and her and her girlfriend worked for Telemundo advertising, uh, television advertising, and they walked in to sell me. And, you know, we had this immediate connection, you know, Mm -hmm. still there to this day. And, you know, Plato talked about, you know, twin flames that were. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. I love that, that I literally talked about that to my friends. I'm like, have you guys ever heard the definition of soulmates and where it comes from? So I'll let you talk about it. Well, so there's soulmates, right? And we can have many soulmates and soul families, right? But the twin flame Plato taught was we're one soul cut in half and we spend many lifetimes looking for that other half. And when we find it, it's not always convenient. In fact, the day she walked into my office, I'd married my first wife twice. I had four great children. I had amazing, you know, everything. My life was perfect. And she'd only been married two months. And, and so, this connection happened, but we were both not in a position to do anything about it and even talk yeah. about it. So uh, basically, we worked together for seven months. As her, she was my advertising rep, and she was falling in love with me, unbeknownst to me. I was falling in love with her, unbeknownst to her. And one day, we compared notes, and, and a while, off we went. And that, that created a lot of drama. I'm sure a lot of this didn't help you know, in, in her healing process, which we didn't know she had cancer at the time. We'd find it right. nine months later. But, you know, so, you know, stress, you know, I probably don't have to tell you, I mean, stress is a big, big thing, especially when you're fighting disease and how do Mm -hmm. we stay calm and how do we go through it? You know, so that's pretty much how we met in the story. And just reading this and, and you titling the book Living in Color, and you really talked about how she enabled you to see life in a completely different way and to enjoy all of the different parts of it and you know, while while even though it was a a struggle to be together, you, you there's many points in the book where you talk about your the, the emotions of it, and even talking to your um uh, your pastor, I believe it was, in terms of you know are you are you better with or without her? And I'm like I'm a hundred percent better with that person, and yeah. so you really you get through all of the hurdles in life to get you to that place, and so you you get there and then. Margo's diagnosed with cancer, young. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it's kind of surreal in a way, you know, so so we, we when we fell in love, we immediately separated. We were very, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't appear we have integrity, but we do have integrity. I feel you, and, I and get we, you. <laughs> we, and we really thought we were smart enough to figure out a way to be together without hurting our spouses, which, you know, is impossible, right? But, you know, you, you're in love, you're in this state and there's nothing, it's like something else is compelling this, right? So anyways, uh, so we separate, but the biggest mistake I've made in my life is I wasn't honest when I separated. I just said I wanted to separate where I should have said, hey, I met someone, I fell in love, I'm sorry, goodbye, and don't worry, I'm always going to be here for you and the kids. So anyways, um, so we start this relationship and six months later or so, her husband finds out about it, all hell breaks loose. Three months later, my wife finds out all hell breaks loose. And a month after that, I find a golf ball size stage three tumor yeah. in her breast. And so uh-huh. you talk about a predicament. Um, and, you know, 
it was just a nine year crazy up and down battle. I don't have to tell you this. Um, you know, the good news, the bad news, the struggles, the sleepless nights, the fear, the, the everything. So. And while you were together, you, you she was obviously done. And how old again was she? She was late, when, when, when she early thirties. Diagnosed at 29. 29. Oh, yeah. and, and, and really it's unfortunately more and more women are being diagnosed young because they're, quote unquote, too young for cancer and they're not getting regular screenings they're not getting mammograms. And, uh, you know, myself included, I never did self checks and I have a family history and I never did that. So why would, you know, I even think that something like that could come into my life? You know, I was 41, so I was a little bit older, but it's still devastating and your head explodes and you, you find the, you know, your, your, your twin flame, your soulmate, and then cancer comes into your life. And then I'm sure I'm, what was going through your head was like, oh my God, what did, did I, did did we do this on purpose? Is the universe getting back at us? Because, you know, your, your brain is insane. Uh, I mean, you know, and I was stuck in the middle. I mean, a wife, four kids, wealth, mm-hmm. and you know, this beautiful life, okay, over here. And now I'm in love with my twin flame whose longevity doesn't look too good, right? And, and we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it took us a while to work through all this till we finally mm-hmm. got married, you know. And you said I was a lot of good things to her. I was also her biggest challenge, I might add. So, you know, which she said at our wedding. So, it wasn't, you know, you know, she was Latin, I'm Irish. So, there was a lot of fireworks in this relationship as well. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of strong personalities, it sounds like. But no one wants a boring relationship. You know, I always uh, tell my, my know, husband. I'm sorry, Michelle, but there's an interesting quote. There's a great uh, spiritual teacher, Carolyn Mice, Mace, M-Y-S-S. And she says that your soulmate is not necessarily that great romantic love. It's the one that drives the fear into your heart the deepest and into your soul the deepest that makes you grow and evolve. And looking back at these 10 years, and and, it, uh, and we've had a relationship 10 years since she left as well so in the spiritual world. And, and so there's, you know, it was just a huge growth opportunity for both of us. And I believe we're both in a better place. And I was saying, it's for me, like I tell my husband all the time, you're a pain in my ass, but we, we, we challenge each other and we, you know, we have all the sparks and the connection, but we also have the, the friendship and, but the challenges, because you don't want to be with someone who's boring. You know, you, you want to be able to move forward together and, and challenge each other and be each other's best supporter. And then also when you're in this type of relationship, you're looking in a mirror 24 <laughs> seven. So, so, you know, the, you know, it's so a lot of this is, you know, you're working through childhood stuff. So un- subconsciously that you're not even aware of that, you know, are being triggered all the time as well. Yes. So in, in the book, quite a few times, you can really sense the strength of Margot's character and personality. And a few times in the book, she talks about you um, being so positive and using her own awareness to heal the cancer. But one thing which, which really resonated with me was she called cancer her greatest blessing, despite all of the odds. And that's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. And, you know, and, and let me ask you this. I mean, in, in some ways, do you feel grateful for your cancer experience? 100%. It, it wakes you up. It changes everything about you, right? And it so does. Because, 
you know, I'm just not making that statement based on my experience with Margo, but through the Love for Margo Foundation, I've worked with 200 women plus, you know, just like you that, you know, and they've all say the same thing in a strange way. This has been a huge blessing for my life. So. Definitely. And I'm a two timer. My first time I was both times was caught very early. I'm very fortunate. First time lumpectomy, radiation, medication. I move forward. I got a new primary occurrence in my other breast four years later. And that one really shook me to my core because it was like, oh, my God, it's something that my body is like, oh, yeah, this is this is what I'm going to do here. And at that time, you know, full mastectomy, reconstruction, full hysterectomy, oophorectomy, all the things, no chemo either time. Very blessed with that. And I mean, I'm very, very fortunate in my cancer journey. But even having gone through it, I really felt I needed I needed support. I needed help. And I had a wonderful friends and family and a support system. But I needed to find people who understood what I was going through. And at the end of my treatment year, not even during, I found the organization that I now work for, started to volunteer. And from that moment on, my life changed. Women who got it, they understood. They were my, my tribe. And uh, I have a best friend who I've made from this, who is my silver lining from cancer. I'm working on my own book. I'm working, you know, I would love to be on stage and sharing inspiration and hope. I, I, it completely changed the last course of my life. And I feel like, I feel like, yes, I have challenges in my, my side effects from the medication. My body's different. My brain is different. I can't, I have CRS disease. I can't remember shit, but yeah. it has made my life so much better. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. And, and if I remember correctly, you, you had a child too. Well, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, my son, when I was diagnosed the first time was about 20 months. And so he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't remember that part, but he remembers when he was almost six the second time and really hard trying to, to navigate the surgeries and the downtime because I was a pretty active mom and I was fortunate enough to be a stay at home mom with him. And it was, it was rough, you know, trying to be positive for him and, you know, my husband's former military, he's a rock. So he, you know, he's, he had me, but me trying to be the, still wanting to be the mom who does everything and, you know, take care of the house and the dogs and, and everything is impossible when you're going through treatment. Um, I know you guys had a very special dog as well, Duke, who was <laughs> literally by Margot's side every second of the day. And my, my dogs have been the same way for me. So huge support system in those animals. Huge. They really are. I mean, huge blessings. So I couldn't agree more. Um, one thing I do want to talk about in the book, which really struck me as, um, and I actually like, I'm going to read this quote, talking about being her primary caregiver. And there was two parts of it. And the first is the most essential part is to simply be there every step of the way, which 100% that is what she needed the most, but also into caregiving. The second part, which has had a steep learning curve be her advocate, keep track of everything that's happening, drug, procedure, symptoms, side effect, changes in her day-to-day demeanor, pain, level medication, food, bowel movement, sleep, et cetera, et cetera. That is, that's a lot. And yeah, it, but you know, what, what happened to us is, you know, when we got this news, six weeks or six months, um, you know, I, I said, what, what would you do, Doc, if it was you? And he said, he'd go to this place in Houston and so we did and we were able to get in, but they said, we need every document in, within 24 hours. 
And we had, we were, you know, all over the state of California, we've been treated and even in Nevada. And so now we had to go crazy to get all these documents. So my advice to anybody that, you know, going through anything uh, in the medical system, now they do do a better job with the records nowadays, they are electronic. So, so it's gotten a lot better, but at least have someone, if you can, especially if, you, you know, if it's serious, have an advocate with you, take notes, be your own advocate, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have, I really believe we need to take responsibility for our own health and, 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 and not play the victim role and say, Hey, you know, because once we're the victim, then we're at the mercy of others. But if we say, Hey, I'm responsible for this in my life. And however it got here, you know, whether it's through chemicals or whatever, um, I own it. And now I, now I can take the power to fix it. And so I think that's vitally important. And then if you have an advocate, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, through the Love for Margo Foundation, we worked with mostly women below the poverty line. They didn't have any support. It was so sure. heartbreaking to me, you know, and, and so emotional support. And if you are an advocate or a caretaker, or you have a friend that's going through this, hey, don't be afraid to talk to them about it. They want to talk about it, okay? And, and they need someone to talk, but, but just don't be a judge. Don't give advice. Just be there, listen, and love. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that, that really resonates on all sectors of life, no matter what you're going through. Because most of the time, people don't want advice. They just want to share. They want, they want right. to be heard and to, to listen and, or, you know, to really, to know that you're seeing them. Like, I see you. I feel you. I know what you're going through. Now, you were... I know from reading the book, you were, you know, you were there through every step of the way, but I love the fact that, you know, at this point in your relationship, 10 years in, your children also really stepped up because over the course of the time, they, they loved Margot. They, you know, you know, whatever, stepmom, second mom, whatever, just they embraced her into your life and really helped you, especially your youngest daughter, Kelly, is that correct? Um, Just really was there for you every step of the way. So, I love the fact that you also had other people holding you up while you were holding Margot up. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and so the, there's a powerful moment in the book where, where, you know, Kelly, Kelly was our troubled child and she's in rehab and, and we go to the, we put her in like the mountains for four months to break her down and try to build her back up. And so we go to visit and, you know, because of the cancer, Margot couldn't have children. We tried like crazy, but she couldn't have children. And, you know, there's, I, I struggled whether to tell the fact that she had an abortion at 19, but I only bring it into the book because I think it had an effect on her illness. Emotions, definitely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so, and you know, so I wanted people to be aware of that, you know, that actions have consequences and we have to prepare for that. So anyways, but, you know, we go around the circle, you know, with the three other families and, you know, what, what, what would, what would you, um, what would we not know about you by looking at you that you could share with us? And, and Margot got to speak first and she said, you know, I never could have children, but Kelly is like my daughter. Right. And then when Kelly spoke, she said, you know, Margot's like my biological mom as well. It was just a beautiful mm-hmm. moment. So, so even though she never got the gift of, of, you know, having her own children, you know, she got to experience being a mother through, through my children. I love that. I, I have four bonus kids that came with my husband as well. And they're now ranging from 17 to 23. And a few of us, a few of them have lived with us over time. And, and it's funny because one of them, I, I called him the demon spawn when he lived here. It was during high school. It was a nightmare. Um, and now like he's one of my, we're super close. He's like matured into this wonderful human being. So I've had the joy of, you know, having my own son, but watching my bonus kids grow. So it's, uh, you know, life, life doesn't always turn out the way you expect it. Or, you know, that that perfect path you have dreamed out. But it really, um, 
you know, you just got to appreciate every day. One of my guests a few weeks ago, her name is Michelle Cambolis, and she talked about meditation and mantras. And my new mantra every day is I'm grateful for this breath, this body, and this life. Amen. No matter Amen. what it brings me. Um, we are gonna- there, there's no more powerful emotion than that, you know, and, and every time we have a, a thought and an emotion, it releases chemicals in our body and those, those chemicals will heal us, those positive, positive chemicals. So yeah. gratitude is a powerful emotion. Definitely. And we're going to talk so much more about it. We do need to take a short break. So listeners, stay with us. If you would like to find out more information about Breast Friends, please go to our website, breastfriends.org, and check out patient programs or on our calendar on the website to see what we have coming up. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mom, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scalp cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network Wednesday at 9am Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022 and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest today is Mike Murphy, author, advocate, coach, so many things. We're, we're talking about his book, Living in Color, that he wrote um, about his late wife, Margot, and just what an amazing woman she is, and really the process they went through, and the joy that they continued to find in life, even despite her metastatic cancer. So, Mike, before break, we were talking about gratitude and how important it is to 
really get through every day. And one thing that I noticed in the book was you were fortunate enough to either be referred to or you found a someone to help you get through this process medically, like a doctor advocate. Mm-hmm. And just that was the first time I've really heard of something like that. So you are, you've talked about, you know, you're financially stable, you have the funds to do extra things like this, but tell us a little bit about her. And if, say, if someone doesn't have the funds, do you have any suggestions for something like this? Yeah. Her name was Dr. Gwen Stritter. And, you know, when, 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 when we push came to shove, uh, we had interviewed her before, but didn't need her at the time. And when we needed someone desperately, she came back into our life. And for the last six months, she did so much to help us. You know, we could call her anytime. Should we call an ambulance? Should we do this? Blah, blah, blah. And she was just amazing, amazing, uh, beautiful soul. Um, And so she had decided that instead of being, you know, the physicians, they don't have any time to learn about what's going on, clinical studies, cutting edge stuff, news. uh, So she decided she was going to be an advocate and she would go to all the conferences. She'd stay on top of all this. And then she would just work with people to help them work with their doctors. And what a blessing. Unfortunately, you do have to have money for this, you know. Mm -hmm. And, And so for people that don't, you know, I hate to say go Google stuff, but but read books, do research. Mm-hmm. There's great sites like your your organization. There's uh, Crispy Cancer. There's so many good sites of people that have had the experience that can share their experience, strength, and hope with you. And that's what I say. You know, the, just don't be docile and do whatever they tell you to do. You know, f- d- listen to your heart and, and see what feels right for you. I'm going through some medical issues right now and they want to do this, this, and this. I'm saying, hey, time out here. Okay. You know, I really believe I can find a way to heal this myself, but if I can't, I'm going to research what you're suggesting and come back to you. And so I think that's for all of us, no matter what we're doing in our life is to, to be our own advocate and take mm-hmm. full responsibility for our life. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. And it's the last thing you really want to do when you're diagnosed with something, especially like cancer, that is so traumatic. And you're you're literally doing your best to deal with the emotions of the treatment and the feelings and the changes in your body and the pain or whatever. So it's hard to do that, but it is so important. And if you can't do it yourself, find someone who can, because everyone out there has a person, whether it's family, friend, you know, many people through their oncology have nurse navigators, which are amazing. I, my nurse navigator, I became good friends with. She actually gave me my second diagnosis because the doctor was not available and it was a Friday. She called, she's like, Michelle. And as soon as she called, I was like, oh, fuck. But, <laughs> but it's just finding those people that can make such a difference in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and one thing I want to ask about, which is so beautiful in your book, you there's there's pictures throughout the book of your first wedding with Margot, which is the the cover of the book. You guys in this beautiful sunset. Was it Santa Monica was where Santa it was Monica, at? Yeah, right. Right along the ocean there. Was it at Shutters? No, it was. We lived on Ocean Avenue, but we okay. lived in an apartment. Was on the rooftop of our. Oh, apartment. nice. I, I worked actually down on on Ocean Avenue. Um, my boss was an entrepreneur down there, and we could we could walk to the pier from his you know his place. So I, I know it well. Um, but you also in the la- was in the last six months decided to renew your wedding vows. Right, right. And it, ironically, even though we did, we we pretty much moved into the Palm Desert and Northern California. Um, when we ended up at USC Medical Center, um, you know, we, we just went there to for an interview with a doctor, right? And we ended up staying there like 60 days, but we, we rented a house in Venice. So it was so mm-hmm. cool that we'd gotten married in Santa Monica. And now we're right up the beach in Venice. And, and she wanted to do this renewal of vow ceremony. And I'm so grateful that we did. And it was so powerful. And um, it was just a beautiful moment, you know, and, and 
you know, I didn't know it at the time, but it was pretty much a, a goodbye moment, you know, uh, but it was extremely powerful. And it will really is, and especially the way you tell it in the book, because at that point she was on pretty heavy morphine. She was in a lot of pain and honestly didn't even know if she was going to get out of bed. Exactly. And, you know, had she, she knew because everyone was downstairs and, you know, in her, in her wig and still so gorgeous and just having sharing that was amazing. Then thank you for sharing such personal things in your book. But it was not long after that, that she did pass, unfortunately. And I know from reading the book, you really talked about how you went into a deep despair and depression and a hole, a black hole. How, how did you move out of that into the place where you were able to write the book and start the foundation? You know, that's a great question. I have no idea. I mean, my kids pretty much had me on suicide watch. Right. And, 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 but it was so weird because, because we had, she wanted to buy a new home before and she, you know, we all, we lived it as if she was going to live forever. That's how we mm-hmm. lived our life. And we did that consciously. And so we bought a new home, like, you know, six weeks before she passed, I literally got the keys the night of her memorial service. And oh. so now I have to pack everything up and I tell my kids, Hey, anything that reminds me of Margo, anything, you guys need to put it in these special boxes. I got to seal them. I put on their ho- open soon, I hope. And, and when I moved in a new house, it was so painful that I locked it in a closet in the garage thinking it'd be years before I could go through this memorabilia, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in this house by myself alone one morning and I go, and it's only been about a, six weeks. And I go, I got to tell this story. And there's something, and no, no, I started out, I need to know something. You know, I'm just sitting there thinking, I need to know something, it's in that box. You know, Spock says, so I go and get them all. I start up and, I, and then I start going, I got to write this story. So I started writing this story really in 2011. I didn't publish it till 21. There's a whole nother story behind that. But, but, you know, but what happened to me immediately after this, about three or four weeks, a friend of mine calls me up and says, Mike, my sister-in-law, Amanda, is moving down from Montana to the Bay Area, stage four breast cancer, age 38, three children. Oh, Could oh, you take God. her to Margo's oncologist? I said, sure. So I take a Margo's oncologist and Amanda was different. You know, she didn't have a husband. She didn't have a lot of money. She didn't have great insurance. She was a minority. And he says, you know, go do these tests and come back. So we go to do these tests and, you know, I had nothing to do. You know, when you're a caretaker like that, all of a sudden the the person's not there anymore. You got nothing but time on your hands. Right. Yeah. And feel completely lost. Yeah. I didn't know this was probably bad for me at the time, but here I am back in the same hospitals doing the same tests, doing this. It was kind of surreal in a way. And so anyways, but what I noticed is that Amanda was being treated much differently than Margo. And and it it bothered me on some level, but I I wasn't in a position to say anything. I just observed it. Then we get back to her, uh, Margo's oncologist. He says, Amanda, the best protocol to extend your life are these three chemotherapies simultaneously. Unfortunately, your insurance will only pay for one. So that's all I can give you. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, the never just, it was the furthest thing from my mind that I would be hearing something like that. It kind of mm-hmm. blew my mind. I just said, here's my credit card. You give her whatever she needs. And, and so that unbeknownst to me was the seed that later became the love for Margot Foundation. Shortly after that, I met a 33 year old stage four breast cancer woman uh, where it metastasized in her brain, which is a whole nother issue. Mm-hmm. And, and so there we, so, so I, you know, that's how I got through it. I wanted to write these books, but to be honest with you, it, it, it takes a long time. You know, when you, when you have a great loss and you're going through grief, you know, I did a lot of things to combat it. I spent 10 days with Byron Katie. I went to Eckhart Tolle and, and uh, Wayne Dyer uh, seminars. And, you know, I, I really did everything to fight through it. 
but I, I think I got back in on the horse too soon. But anyways, the whole thing has been a blessing in hindsight now. And, and I've learned so much and I have so much compassion for people like you and other women that are going through things. And, and for all of us, really, especially in today's world. I mean, you know, it's, it, we need to love and have compassion for one another right now. 100%. There's just too much going on out there and we really need to be there to support. So that brings me to the Love for Margot Foundation. So tell us about that, please. Yeah. So, so there it was, it started with Amanda and, and I, I, I go, you know, and then I met Renee who introduced me to another wonderful program in San Francisco called the Shanti program. Um, I ended up giving them a sizable donation. They renamed their cancer program, the Margo Murphy women's cancer program. And because of my donation, we're able to expand from just breast cancer to all women's cancer. And so that still exists today. And they serve a lot of women below the poverty line in San Francisco area. Um, and I would just, you know, get clients from, social workers and hospitals and all my women were below the poverty line and so what happens is the, here was the here was what my, the, my philosophy of my theory what i wanted to do is a woman gets diagnosed with cancer she doesn't have reserves or much money to begin with now she's lost her job to do treatments so her income is down and her expenses are up and they were screwed right so mm -hmm. i would give them financial grants to get them through in the perfect scenario there was a woman that was the uh worked at United Airlines on the ticket counter. And, and so we were able to do that. We supported her while she was away. She, and, and I won't get into the other stuff, but, but, you know, she was able to get back to work. But in most cases, and this is why it was so frustrating and painful for me, is same, same MO, you know, cancer, cut off breast or two, do a lumpectomy, put a hole in the chest, fill the uh, chemo, radiate. and But the results were not very good, you know, most times. And here I am, I felt like, you know, and, and you can't keep giving money forever. You know, I was the primary donator of this, you know, so it was not sustainable. I did it for like three years, met the most amazing, beautiful women that have touched my heart forever. I can tell you unbelievable stories that are just incredible. Um, but then I go, okay, this is not working. So I go, how else can I help? So now I start buying water purifiers, juicing machines, buying them vegetables, teaching them. And now they think I'm their doctor. I go, I'm a car. <laughs> no, Dr. Mike, please help me. I mean, and they were the most beautiful women inviting me over for dinner and this and that, but that wasn't sustainable. So then I actually, you know, switched gears. I tried to help youth. And now I'm trying to build a healing center in um, Medellin, Colombia. I have a beautiful uh, farm there. But then, then the country decides you have to be vaccinated to go there. I don't know if they're going to shut borders. So I go, okay, I'm, I'm hitting pause on all this. So right now I'm regrouping and what, figure out what to do with Love for Margo Foundation mm -hmm. and what to do with Mountains of Hope. So I'm kind of in that stage right now. So that's where I'm at. That was definitely one of my questions. What's next for you? But I think with the last two years, nobody knows what's next. <laughs> it's, a, it's so frustrating. You know, I want to make these plans and do these things. I mean, I, I literally went over there and worked 15 hours a day, July through uh, November. And then they put in this vaccination thing. I'm going, man, I can't deal with this. And, and who says they're not going to, and plus I'm spending, I was going to invest a million dollars in this. Mm -hmm. you know, I, already, I already invested millions of dollars in the farm. Now I'm going to invest another million dollars. People might not be able to come here. So, so I, we're, we're, we'll figure it out. You know, we're in that process right now. I think I have some good new ideas that we can make it all work together again. I want to go there on a vacation. I was looking at the pictures last night. I'm like, that place is amazing. Oh, you're always welcome, Michelle. Anytime. Well, thank you. Thanks. And um, how you you were, um, I 
I read it and I didn't um, I didn't write it down, but you're calling it a transformational retreat center. Well, so, so that was the original concept, transformational health retreat. Here, here's the thing, you know, and I don't have to tell you this, you know, I think there's a huge emotional component to to these illnesses. And, you know, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the work of Louise Hay, you know, that you can heal your body. And she links she links every illness to some sort of emotional injury, wound or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So so we wanted to treat the whole body physically detox the body under medically supervised. And, and then through using my book, The Creation Frequency and the Power of you know, uh, Manifestation, get, work with this, and but more importantly, get people to move into their heart and to open their heart and to heal those wounds. And then we become whole again and the whole organism is functioning better. And then, then we're having a spiritual experience. And then, you know, w- w- we can access the field of infinite possibilities or God or creator, whatever you want to call it, and to assist in that healing. That's so important. And it's, I think, for for the majority of people, even though if they believe that, yes, my, my awareness can help heal and my heart can help heal, unless you step out of your comfort zone and get to a place where you don't have responsibilities at home. Like, yeah. I, I work part-time. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm, you know, half the rest of the time, but super busy. And it's not like I have time to say, I'm going to sit and focus on, on this, even though I do try to do something for myself every day, no matter what it is. But if you're allowed to go to a retreat for however long it is and just have, have that surroundings and be in nature, and I think nature is a really huge component of it. And I know you and Margo spend a lot of time outside walking and on the beach and with Duke and all of that. And I think, you know, that is no matter it's what it does. It's healing for you at that time, you know, even if it's not the long-term thing. Um, I want to jump back to your book for a second. So you, when you're writing the book and you had to tell the story, who do you think is your, your main audience for the book? And well, that, you know, it's a great question. Um, you know, before I go on a show, I always check out the guest and I happen to find your blog about what you were going through reading the book. And, you know, a couple of things, a couple of things that come away is a page turner, right? You oh, God. I couldn't put it down. I read <laughs> literally. Even though you know the outcome, you can't, it's just. A I know. <laughs> my husband's like, you knew what happened. No, you don't understand. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing I love about the book. But I also felt you were going to have me on to just beat me up because you went through so many painful emotions reading it. So, so I have a question. First, I'm going to tell you who I think the audience is for. And then you can tell me your experience as a breast cancer survivor. What mm-hmm. if that is an audience. I don't recommend it to breast cancer so people going through <laughs> it because I don't want to scare them, right? So for me, you know, I think it's for anybody that's going to die because I think the message is you can never die. And 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 that and that no matter what life gives you, you can always rise above it. You there's always there's all you said it earlier, there's always a silver lining in everything. And believe me, Margo and I found so many silver lines. As difficult as it was, as, as stressful as it was, pain, we always found a silver lining. We always found something to la- uh, laugh about. She's the one that coined the phrase living in color, you know, and, 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 be- and she taught me that that is the most important thing. And, you know, we're here for a short period of time. And to live in black, you know, uh, I think it was Thoreau said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Well, trust me, Margo, and no one loved life more than her. And she was bigger than life. She'd walk in a room and light it up. So, so, you know, if there's one thing I miss the most is that, you know, that, that you never knew what was going to happen. Right. And so that's a great way to live. So, so living in color is really a powerful book. So I was also think it's for anybody, you know, there's a lot of spiritual lessons in there. There's a lot of, she was very courageous, you know, what she went through. So my hope is that it will inspire people that are going through difficult times to say, Hey man, 
I'm going to rise above this. And death is not the end road. Okay. There is, once you leave the body, I, I mean, I, I wrote at the very end of the book, my experience in the last 10 years since he's been out of body, mm-hmm. but believe me, I mean, I have zero fear of death, you know, and I can't wait to experience the next whatever, you know, so I, that's, that's really why I wrote it. That's perfect. We are going to take a break and I will answer your question when we get back (laughs) because I do want to talk about that. Um, Listeners, stay with us. If you would like to be a guest on my show or share your warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mum, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scalp cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022, and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. And my guest is Mike Murphy, author of Living in Color, A Love Story in Sickness and in Health. Before break, Mike and I were talking about how I had read the book and then I blogged about it because it was so impactful for me in in terms of the emotions and just life and the the story of of. Mike and Margot. I have personal friends actually that I know named Mike and Margot. So it always freaks me out a little bit (laughs) that I grew up with. Um, But it, it brought out so many emotions for me. And in terms of my own mortality, because I've been through breast cancer twice, um, I, 
it affected me because there's, as a survivor, there's always that worry in your heart. Like, is it going to come back? You know, am I, am I going to become metastatic? Like I've done the things I've, I've removed my breast cancer tissue, our breast tissue. I've, I take the medication. I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, but so did Margo, you know, and why, why was she taken so early and I'm here? So there was, there were some things that definitely brought up survivor's guilt. Um, you know, why did I go through yes, cancer twice, but fairly easy and, you know, someone young and vibrant and beautiful like Margot, it took her. And so there's like, sometimes the universe is just so fucked up. Like I excuse my French, but I can't, um, there's nothing else to describe it other than that. So in terms of who I think should read the book, probably not anyone going through active treatment, <laughs> but I do think for caregivers and, and for those at the end stage of life, it is definitely such a good read because it's a reminder that no matter what is going on, the trauma you're in, or if you're in late stages of cancer or any, any disease that is going to take your life, you can still have control over the way you live. Yeah. And I have to tell you, because she did so much work, um, around taking that last breath. And then we were blessed to have this amazing person show up for the last week of her life to really assist us. When she took that, I'm telling you, she was at peace. Mm -hmm. She was in love. She had, she had, she had made amends, all amends that had to be made. She had said goodbye to everybody that she wanted to say goodbye to. And that there's a blessing in that, you know, and being there as the sitting at someone's bedside while they're transitioning, there's a huge blessing in that. So, so anybody that's afraid of death, I really encourage you to get involved in some organization, whether it be hospice or whatever, because we're all going to end up there. We're all going to take that last breath at some point. And, and it can be a beautiful experience. It could be a healing spiritual experience as well. And that's what it was for Margo and for me. Um, and in the book, you, I don't know what the, the proper term is, a death doula or, um, yep. you know, and yeah. I've actually, one of my, my guests and someone that I follow on, on Facebook, her, her name's Kelly Grossclags and she does conversations with Kelly, but this is what she does. This is her whole, you know, career in social work. And this is now what she does. And she's done this amazing documentary called dying is not giving up where she films the last weeks of someone's life and talks about all the amazing things that this woman did. She wrote letters to her friends and family and she had clothes made into teddy bears for her grandchildren. She recorded videos of her reading books to her future grandchildren. And so by the time she passed, she was at peace. And I, I cannot recommend that enough. And Unfortunately, our organization, for whatever reason, in the past two years has experienced a lot of loss in our warriors, young women. We've, and we've had probably nine or 10 women pass in our programs in the last two years, at least six of them young, 40 and under. And that is devastating. So we've all had to do a lot of work around grief and processing that. And I think you don't really ever want to think about it. The majority of people are like, no, death, we're going to stay far away from that. But when you are diagnosed with cancer or anything else that you know is going to take your life, you need to think about it because you don't want to have any regrets. And from reading this book, it is very obvious that you and Margo really process that amazingly. And it led you to this, these other places in your life. Yeah, no doubt. And, and there's, you know, listen, we're all going to die. We just don't know when. And, and if you can get comfortable with it now, because that's the greatest fear, right? I think death and then public speaking. So, so if you can get rid of it now, 
I can't even tell you the enormous freedom that gives me and, 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 and others that are comfortable with that. It, to me, it's a transition. And, and I've had amazing experiences since she's left. And, and I've lost other people. My mother, I just recently lost my father, had the most mm. profound moment when, during his process of taking that last breath. And it can be so healing for everybody. And we're all going to do it. I just say, hey, get comfortable with it now and you're free. I love that. I'm going to make that into one of my little clips that I put online because it's just people need to know these things and 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 deal with it and accept it for what it is. And I want to go back to one of the quotes that you wrote in the book from Margot. Cancer can take away my physical abilities, but it cannot touch my mind, my heart and my soul. Those things are going to carry on forever. Yeah. You know, it, it, wow. She, I mean, she was so deep. And, and so, you know, uh, aware. And, and so, you know, we only had one, bo- one bad moment where, you know, she, she said to me, you know, my life didn't mean anything. And, and, and that moment came after she'd spent three or four nights in the hospital and they'd given her extra morphine and, you know, and, and so she wasn't fully conscious. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I said, listen, you know, first of all, that's not true, but I'm not going to talk to you because we need to wean you off this medicine. We need to get you a little more conscious. If you want to, if you want to just take the drugs and say goodbye now, I'm good with that. That's your call. I would love you, support you. And I totally would understand because that's probably what I would do. But if you want, don't want to, let's get off it and let's have a deep conversation. And, and, and then I gave her the million reasons of the lives she's touched. She touched so many lives and she continues to touch lives yes. through the book or foundation. And so, you know, and all of us touch lives. And so we need to remember that. And we're creating a legacy here and it was going to live beyond our physical existence. It's, it's so amazing what you have been able to do. Now, I want to jump into what you're doing now with the, the creation frequency. Tell us okay. how that started. And I know you're the author of two other books. Is that correct? Right. So, so my first book is, so I, I'm, I'm writing Living in Color, right? We didn't have a name for it, but I'm writing this book and I, I just couldn't get it right. And then I work with this co-creator here, this co-creator. We just, just couldn't do it. And I go, okay, well, I, at the same time, I had all this time on my time and I, I kind of saw the world was going into a kind of a strange place back then, even, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of saw this coming. For, foreshadowing. <laughs> okay. And so, so I wrote a book called Love Unfiltered, but the real, you know, because I was in such an emotional state and I was still in this grief, it's, it's a very emotional book. It's a great book for people that are going through grief is the biggest feedback I receive about that book. But in that book, I talk about a, a process of manifestation that a man taught me in 1982 that I was a total loser. I was a habitual juvenile delinquent, runaway. I mean, I, I had nothing going for me. Total loser, biggest loser you could ever find. And this man taught me this process of manifestation that radically changed my life. So I put that story in living or love unfiltered, but people missed it because of the emotional read. So I go, okay, that I did, I failed this. I failed what I wanted to accomplish. So I wrote this little book called The Creation Frequency, and it does extremely well. And I'd love to give it to your to your listeners, but I can't because it's owned by a publisher. But I can give them my online course. And, and it's even better than the book. It's six hours and, and people love it. It's totally, and, and I'm going to ta- tell you how this ties into health in a minute, but, you know, go to the www.thecreationfrequency.com and click on online course. And, you know, we sell it, but I'll give it to your listeners for free on promo code. Just use MM for Mike Murphy, MM gift. Okay. All, all caps, total caps, 
And you can have the course for free. Why is that important? So what this man taught me, he taught me that there's no difference between imagination and reality. Okay, so whatever we imagine, we bring into our reality. Everything that comes into our physical reality starts as a desire and a thought. And, you know, and it shows up. That's everything. Okay. Including our health. And, and so therefore, um, and he says, okay, we're going to break your life into six areas. Okay. You know, we have relationships, we have money, we have career, we have contribution, blah, blah, blah. And so then we write these powerful intentions as if they already exist, you know? So for example, you know, let's say I've been recently diagnosed with breast cancer. I love how my body is healed. I love this amazing feeling, this powerful feeling of healing that it gives me. I love how I am disease-free, even though you're not. Because listen, we're made up of 50 trillion living conscious cells that hear everything we say, everything they feel everything we think and everything we feel, and they have power, okay? It's an electrical system. And the more power and energy I can put into these 50 trillion cells, they can heal. I have stem cells still in my body that can heal. So, so what we're doing there is we're creating this powerful intention around health in this, in this situation, mm-hmm. okay? And how healthy you are. And then we have an app, it's free, Google Play, Apple. We're having a little problem with Google Play, but Apple right now and the Google Play will be f- fixed shortly. Um, and, and so the... In that, the music is embedded with theta brainwave music, and there's a relaxation script. So we put you into like a self-hypnotic, you put yourself into a self-hypnotic trance. Then you listen into your own words to this beautiful intention of this amazing health. And what happens, it gets through the conscious mind and into the subconscious mind where all the power exists. You know, we're, we spend 95% of our life operating from the subconscious. We don't even know it. And the conscious, you know, is, uh, is, a, is I call it the in, insanity place, you know. And that's why I encourage people to move from here to here. When we live from here, you know, the, the, we just live better, you know, because we can be brainwashed here. We can believe, you know, I mean, turn on, turn on CNN and then turn on Fox. I mean, what's going on? What is the truth? Right. So right. you, you this, can't this, tell from either of those. <laughs> this thing could be manipulated. But this, you know, I think it was Descartes that said, I think, therefore I am. I say, no, I feel, therefore I am. And when we can live here and we feel we're going to make better decisions, we're going to have a better life. Right. So so that's that's the power of that. So the creation frequency is really about manifesting what we truly desire. Now, if I walk around all day long and go, oh my God, I got breast cancer. Oh my God, what a bad break. Oh my God, I'm gonna die. Oh my God. Well, the, see, let me tell you how the subconscious mind, right now your subconscious, my subconscious is taking in at least a minimum of 1 million bits of data every second. It goes that makes my million, brain hurt. <laughs> it goes through this million bits of data, supercomputer, and then it gives the conscious mind up to 40 bits because that's all the conscious mind can handle. So, and it doesn't judge the subconscious. So if I say I'm going to die of breast cancer, I keep going, I'm going to die. It's going to get, it's going to get into the subconscious, right? right? And, and we manifest that. So I say, let's do the opposite. Let's talk about the great health and how great we feel and how, you know, and no matter what happens, I'm in, I'm in peace and I'm in acceptance and I'm trusting my, my, my God, my creator, whatever you want to call it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so take, I just encourage people to take the course. It's free and, and, and write an intention. The app is free and you listen every morning, right when you wake, cause then you're in a theta state and you listen every night before you go to sleep. Miracle in my life, miracles mm-hmm. happen. In 1982, my 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 intentions came true like you can't believe. So, 
The problem is, you know, and I taught this to all my car salesmen and all this. The problem is I had moved so far past this work while in my relationship with Margo, we didn't even try this till the very end till it was too late because it, right. it was so far removed from my consciousness, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I never really thought about it, applying it for, for her and her health. But, but I really believe this is a powerful step for people to, to heal. The other thing I think is important is to try not, it's, it's very difficult, I know, but try not to identify as a cancer victim. Try not to identify as I have cancer, okay? You know, don't, don't get away from reality. That's your reality, right? But, mm -hmm. but don't own it. Don't attach to it because I, it, Yes, we're, I not our, it. we're not our body. We're not our thoughts. We are, we are timeless, eternal consciousness. We are soul. We are energy. We are essence. That's what we need to work on. And there's where the freedom is. I say that I, I had cancer. Cancer did not have me. It did not Great. define me, but it has made me a better person. It woke and you up. It did, 100%. God, Mike, we are out of time, and I'm so sad because we could talk about this all day. <laughs> Listeners, the thecreationfrequency.com, correct? Yes, and mikemurphyunfiltered.com. You can find Mike on social media at mikemurphyunfiltered and follow him there for, for ev everything you've talked about, we've talked about today and more. God, Mike, thank you so much. It's, it has been quite a pleasure, so I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, please remember to stay with us. We'll be back next week. And if you would like to know more about Breast Friends or what we do, please go to our website, breastfriends.org. You can find this podcast on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel or wherever you find your podcasts. And now you can actually watch the episodes on the Breast Friends YouTube channel. So please do that and subscribe. If you'd like to donate to help Breast Friends on its mission, you can text BF Radio to 41444 or on our website site. If you would like to be my guest, sponsor an episode, or just send me your story, I can be reached at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. So we'll see you next week. And remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.